Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that's not locked in here with you, you're locked in here with it. I am Max. And I'm JR. How's it going? Oh, it's going. Uh, long week, but not a terrible week uh, yeah. that I know of yet. There's always time. Uh, it's yourself, not over it's not over and yourself uh good good uh yeah just yeah. been hanging out um mm, excuse me i don't know why i've randomly got hiccups okay. whatever moving on yeah uh no real news this week nothing that was blowing my skirt up um so yeah i didn't see anything um but there's been a thing i mean just to maybe take five minutes uh explain to me what the gala of x is because i keep seeing promo art for it and it looks real pretty but i don't know yeah. i don't understand what the store what what story function because well it's so af- go ahead so it's gearing up for this hellfire gala that's what um but like uh the thing about it the thing about it is i'm not sure um i think the the thing um so the thing about it is a lot of it seems to so this seems to be a partly an excuse to dress mutants up in nice clothing and b this also seems to be the point at which they're going to sort of lead into the next phase of the x-men stuff okay so I'm not really sure um, what uh, um, what the story will entail, but a lot of it just seems to be, uh, hey, let's have a big party. Okay. <laughs> because... Yeah, it's uh, it's just like designing designing mutant evening wear for the various uh, mutants of Krakoa. But like, it also seems like this is going to lead into sort of the the next because they have several new X books that are starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, including Way of X, plus a little bit of shakeup in terms of uh, creative teams on the books that exist. So, yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> okay, I mean that's fine. I I assume not everything is hunky dory, but right now you know the X Men mutants, from what I understand it, are no longer facing a an extinction level threat. Right, they're on Krakoa, ha- 
pretty happy hunky dory there's some internal strife but like nobody's gonna come step to Krakoa right now because if they did they'd be obliterated um, well people are trying people are very much trying oh, really? to start shit because in in madripoor you've got verendi which is uh back during during the run of like wolverine and the x-men mm-hmm. there were the uh shitty kid versions of the hellfire club <laughs> okay <laughs> where like one of a one of them was like the great grandson of dr frankenstein and stuff like and they just they're a bunch of rich little shits who are just like grr mutants um and so they they are now running madripoor uh and are butting up against the x-men um in addition there's all of these outside groups that are just like grr mutants are now a world power uh that are trying to start shit because there's like there's a group that keeps like taking chunks of like dead mutants like when when x-force goes out and goes on a mission quentin choir keeps dying and they keep like harvesting his genetic material and doing shit with that and then like um domino at one point got captured and they were flaying skin off of her and implanting it into their soldiers in order to grant them like a measure of her luck altering power huh and stuff like that so there are still external threats so um why don't like this is gonna sound callous because it is i guess but like if you're x-force and you go out on a mission and domino is getting captured why doesn't she just turn to shatterstar or whoever and be like shoot me because it doesn't matter um like shoot me go back the record the one the current me on record will need has been updated go lift that one and basically is that what they're doing but they just leave the bodies out there well and and that's kind of i mean so domino at one point does manage to get killed and she's resurrected without all of the skin and bits missing uh and stuff like that but they're still trying to undo the damage that was caused while she was being held um things like that so yeah but also like um you know in the case of quentin choir there are these murders that are occurring that quentin choir seemingly committed but he's like i didn't though and they're just like well okay um and so you know it, yeah it's a it's a whole it's really it's really difficult to explain everything that's going on in x-men right now if you haven't been following it sure um because the short version <clears throat> is there's krakoa and they've created their own nation state but like there's so much going on yeah so yeah because there are you know like there's all the x of swords stuff that happened plus they're trying to find a way to 
integrate a lot of people who are fairly antisocial. Like the newest, uh, the newest issue of Excalibur was about trying to uh, integrate malice into the Krakoan population, and she's like, "No, I don't. I just want to be dead. Leave me alone." <laughs> and they're like, "Well, no. Like you have a second chance here. We're not just gonna, you know, they they do." Xavier is just like, "We should put her in the hole with Sabretooth." And they're like, yeah, but like she deserves a chance. And Xavier is like, uh, OK. Um, so, yeah, it's it's like I said, it's it's one of those things of there is a lot going on. One of my favorites right now is uh, Hellions because Mr. Sinister is a lot of fun. Um. Primarily because Mr. Sinister is such a dumb villain. Sure. Uh, and they're kind of leaning into that. Because there is there's an exchange in one of the in like the newest issue of Hellions, um, which came out a few weeks ago, um, where he has been captured by Arcade. Um and the thing is, like Arcade has Mastermind working with him, but because like he doesn't fully trust Mastermind, he's got he's got a redundancy set up where uh where he is um he has a guy a thousand miles away who's watching on a video monitor. And so he's confirming everything he's doing with this guy in order to confirm that Mastermind is not fucking with his head. Sure. While he's doing all of this. And so uh, he keeps saying, like, okay, I am, uh, I am, what was it? I'm, I'm, uh. I am disciplining Sinister. Confirm. And he like hits Sinister. And the guy is like, confirm. And so Sinister keeps like going like, I'm being beat on by a Chucky doll. Confirm. (laughs) Uh, Sinister goes, there's a strange man molesting me with his eyes. Big toothy grin. Clearly veneers. Confirm. (laughs) confirm and the guy asks arcade he's like should should i confirm and arcade's like no you idiot (laughs) and uh it's just it's a it's a lot of fun they're they're really leaning into the absurdity of sinister in general sure um so yeah it's it's fun i i highly recommend that one but anyway all right yeah all right, let's do those these comics. Comics, uh, Master of Kung Fu, number seventy two, has a cover by Mike Zack and is written by Doug Mensch, penciled by Mike Zack, inked by Bruce Patterson, colored by Glynis Ween, lettered by Gaspar Saladino, and edited by Roger Stern. This issue is primarily everybody comes under attack from Shockwave, who is operating under orders from MI six. 
Uh, and we find we find out a little bit of why later, but ultimately, yeah, it's just they've all left MI6, and now MI6 is sending Shockwave after them. Um, Do we find out what um, Nayland Smith's breaking point was? Why he finally resigned? I forget. Um, I don't think we do in this issue because I think we're too busy getting our asses kicked in general, in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is this the one shockwave? This is the one with the badass fight where, um, shockwave shockwave isn't terrible. This is like I was saying before, I think before we started recording that, uh, this week's of Matt, this week's master of Kung Fu is a fucking roller coaster. Um, this fight when he picks up the signpost because he can't mm-hmm. touch shockwave, right? Anytime yeah. Every he... time you punch shockwave or block one of his hits or whatever, yeah. you get shocked and it hurts uh... and he doesn't like it. And <laughs> this isn't, you know, like Shang-Chi's move is not, it is usually not to pick up a weapon, but like he's kind of screwed and he goes, yeah. well, screw like what, I need a non-conductive material, okay, wood. Like, it, there's the language is much better in the uh, in the issue, but he, you know, he picks up a signpost and starts holding his own. Yeah. Until the signpost gets broke. Um, basically, that's all in service to let Reston and Marianne, or whatever her name is, um, and Melissa. Every, Melissa get into the apartment with... Uh, Nalen Smith and uh, Liku. Liku. And um, we end with Liku calling Blackjack and be, because they kind of like realize, oh shit, we're all coming under fire from several different angles. Somebody better warn Blackjack because he's about to get jumped. He calls them and he's like, I'm fine. I'm at home. Leave me alone. Um, I'll, and besides, even if something does show up, I'll kick its ass because I'm blackjack and I suck. Um, and uh, probably while being super racist, <laughs> probably. Um, and he gets a knock on the door and is <sighs> taken captive by Brynaki, the tiny automaton dude from. A while ago from that island again man that was a roller coaster too because that had some bits all the non brynaki bits <laughs> were good uh, but that every, island every full time brynaki's stupid face shows up it takes a turn mm-hmm. for the worse mm-hmm. whenever brynaki's not there it's like okay like yeah. death yeah. traps weird robots some animals all right cool we're kicking ass taking names fighting dodging lasers brynaki shows up in a new stupid outfit fuck this guy yeah yeah it's it's literally like tripping you know you're humming along fighting some bad guys maybe there's commentary maybe there's not maybe they're we're moving the story or having to fight alongside something now and it's like cool and then he shows up in a different goddamn outfit and i just face plant directly into my desk because i don't i'm like what are you why why yeah something else 
I was so happy when Mordio <laughs> died. Yeah. Because I thought maybe that was the end of this bullshit. Right. But we get we get a shot of like Mordio's skeleton and Brynaki's just like, I miss you, bots. And it's just like, oh my God, this whole fucking thing is just awful. Well, it's and awful. They, they do and I hate it. They do some things occasionally where they're clearly trying to make me care about Brian. Like they were trying to make me care about Brian Aki as like this tortured soul who is now, you know, rudderless because his, his boss, his original master is dead. His other boss turns out to be a dick and like, and he's not like, here's, here's the thing. He's not sympathetic though at all. His his inability to move beyond his programming mm-hmm. would be interesting were he not so annoying. Right. Like, that's, that's the thing. I could get with all of this if uh-huh. it were like a, a uh, you know, like, yeah, he is. He's directionless and he's not able to find a new direction because that's outside his abilities. Yeah. Um, he's not advanced enough for that. Right. And, you know, so he's like, he's, it's almost like a, a, um, it's like, he's just smart enough to realize that that's a problem, but not advanced enough to be able to do anything about it. Right. And that, that in be, and of itself could, could be, be cool. interesting. Uh huh. Yeah. But like the but, guy, it's so fucking annoying because yeah, like take all the bad parts of arcade. That's Brynaki's whole deal is yeah. being uh, like, I'm a quirky weirdo. And now we're going to do um, pirates or now we're going to do space aliens or now, it's like, just shut up. Yeah. Shut the other things, like, there is a quiet moment where, he, like, the, like you said, the part where you say, I wish you were here, boss, because clearly something, it's like, because clearly something's wrong and I lack the actual capability of fixing it because I am an automaton. And uh, that's tragic, right? Like, to be cursed with that knowledge but unable to do anything with it, that's actual tragedy. And I don't give a shit because he's so annoying the yeah. rest of the time. But, yeah. Yep. Like if, if you were to cut out <laughs> the, the cartoony face, yep. the little boy aesthetic and all this dress up bullshit, I could get on board. Yeah. But it's just dumb. <laughs> so uh master of Kung Fu number 73 has a cover by Carl, or is colored by Carl Gafford and lettered by Bruce Patterson. Um, realizing that Shockwave says that he now has access to everything, all of MI6's resources, plus all of the stuff that they have impounded, and the fact that they hear Brynaki on the phone when Blackjack Tar gets abducted, they're like... Oh, great. We got to deal with this bullshit again. So they go to Mordio's Island. Uh, Shockwave is there with Brynaki. And uh, he... uh, He 
they try to use the island against them. Ultimately, though, Shockwave lets slip the fact that he not only he intends to kill them, but after that he intends to go after his handlers at MI6 and get revenge on them. Brynaki at this point is just like, you're a traitor to the crown, and takes over the island and uses it against all three of them. Um, and Blackjack Tar, who's there, but who gives a shit? <laughs> Most of the last half of that is in the issue next, but it doesn't right. matter because all this sort it, of blends it all together. Sort of, the one thing yeah. I will say aesthetically about the island now is that it really reminds me of kind of... Uh, have you ever watched Return to Oz? Where Yeah, a long time ago. Okay, so Oz is fucked up and broken, right? Because... Yeah fucking oz um and uh this the island is so much different now because there's nobody there to maintain it so all the foliage is run amok even though some of the foliage is actually robots too um all the uh autonomous robots that were there to serve a purpose like the caterpillar roller coaster that they were on are now kind of listless and weird and uh or attacking them out of like that's just what they do um, yeah I, I like that as a starting point i don't know that they truly nail it but like it's no. it's a cool idea it is like but like you happen? said they just kind of fall flat on it yeah. um anyway so meh. uh so yeah master of kung fu number 74 has a cover by by Mike Zack and Terry Austin is and is colored by Petra Goldberg. Um, this issue, like you said, it's it is Brynaki turning all of the robots and and defenses of the island against everybody, uh, and it's just like so. Shockwave winds up having to fight alongside. Um, hmm uh shang chi and Leiko and i guess black jack tar and uh and everything what's what's interesting about this is that in the course of this shockwave takes a couple of hits um that fundamentally damaged the uh the core of who he believes himself to be and so that by the time we're done with all this Mordio's Island bullshit. Shockwave is... Shockwave is like Brynaki in that he's just kind of like... A broken tool. Yeah. Um, because... What he describes is... Uh, going into the service... Um, because it represented, I guess, an escape. Um, failing at that, uh, and that was a blow to his identity. Um, and then rebuilding himself as Shockwave, and now in the course of this storyline, his reflective faceplate gets knocked off, and, you know, he's all, don't look at my face! Um which represents another blow because he feels like he and in the next issue uh they also like 
cut the lines that power his suit. And so he's just like back to being some asshole. Um, and he talks about having, having been captured by MI6 and brainwashed into working for them. And he describes it as a literal rape of his mind. Yeah. Um, and I really feel bad for shockwave here. Um, which is not something I would ever feel. And so this winds up actually kind of being a highlight of this run of Master of Kung Fu. Uh, even as all the Brynaki shit is just like, I don't care. Go away. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's a it's a fucking roller coaster because like I like you say, I I ended up feeling a little more sympathetic to him and being like okay we got to get this guy off the island like when we first got there if they punched him three times he fell over and then they left him there to be devoured by the robots or whatever like fine but now that we've actually learned some more about him because we had to because because the island was trying to kill all four of them um and they had to work together like good job again yeah that's cool. Change four things about Brynaki and this all works. But I, yeah. you know, I it's fundamental to what Brian. Well, actually, it isn't. We've already talked about that. But yeah, Brynaki's annoying as hell, and it, it just makes me go, "God, shut, shut up! You're in, you're in the way. You're yeah. in the way." Um, all right. But Ma- Master of Kung Fu number seventy-five has a cover by Mike Zack and Rudy Nebris. Uh, colored by Michelle Wolfman, lettered by Irving Watanabe. Uh, Shang-Chi, Lako, Blackjack Tar, and Shockwave, uh, this issue, are able to escape from Mordio's Island at the same time while Shockwave is unloading a lot of his bullshit about having been brainwashed by MI6 and sent to assassinate them. Um, unbeknownst to them, Shang-Chi had stolen a tape recorder from this robot and used it to record a uh, record everything that Shockwave was saying which would then serve as proof for them when they go back to England that MI6 is fundamentally fucked like it is corrupt and needs to be cleaned up Uh, and that's going to wind up being important when we then come back to Master of Kung Fu uh, later this episode. Uh, for the most part, it's, again, it's more of them fighting the island's res- uh, defenses and stuff like that. And then Brynaki's just like, well, I guess I just suck. And it's like, yeah, Brynaki, you do. Go away, shut down, and never show up again please Um, well it's so fucking frustrating because like okay so Shang-Chi jumps across the island grabs the transport comes back picks everybody up they leave the island half the island blows up or whatever and uh, it cuts back to Brynaki in with the Mordillo corpse and he's like well sorry boss I'm just and like we do the part where he's like I I suck at this. I know there's a problem. I can unable the thing we were talking about. And it's like, yeah, too little, too late. And he's still, he's dressed like Patton. I can't take any of this fucking seriously. Um, yeah. 
you're trying to make an actual point, but I, I cannot do it. There's, there's just something about the aesthetics that's kicking me out every single time you try to do this book and I, I can't do it. Um, I cannot get into the point you're trying to make. Where, that. Um, I like the part where he was recording it because yeah. it's very, very not Shang-Chi. Yeah. And that's what, and what I mean, I think is that he's the one that's been for the whole time. He's known all these people being like your subterfuge bullshit sucks and I hate it. Yeah. And I don't like it and I don't want to do this cloak and dagger shit. So the fact that he's the one that grabs the recorder and then gets shockwave talking and records it without his knowledge is like, what you doing there, bud? Yeah. Hey, you're not. Yep. You're not that guy. Um, <laughs> it's but it's still it's an interesting facet because he's been around these assholes enough to know that getting him talking is important. Recording what he says is important. We can take care of a lot of problems if we get him back and this evidence back. Like, yeah, it's not normal Shang-Chi behavior, but he's been around these jackasses so for long enough now that some of that is starting to wash off on him or wash on to him. I don't imprint. All of those words are bad. Canard. (laughs) Okay. Um, The what's really annoying is. Uh, the, you were talking about how Brynaki is like arcade. Like all uh, the bad parts of arcade. Brynaki actually winds up working for arcade at one point. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I love that or hate it. Yeah. I am in a swirling vortex of like, that could be so fucking stupid cool or just stupid i'm gonna guess it's probably stupid yeah it was uh it was as recent as 2005 what so we've got a bunch more brynaki to look forward to is that like arena area no no because arena was in like 2008 wasn't it yeah that was uh think well let's see so avengers undercover was like 2013 i believe um so i think i think avengers arena would have been more 2011 okay but yeah uh it's it's a whole lot of Brynaki yet to come. Hooray. It was 2012 that Avengers Arena occurred. Anyway. Okay. Uh, Marvel 2-in-1, number 44, is written by Mar- Marv Wolfman, penciled by Bob Hall, inked by Frank Giacoya, colored by Michelle Wolfman, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Marv Wolfman. Uh... This issue is basically the thing tells a bunch of campers about the time he helped Hercules save the Olympian gods from uh, a bunch of giants. It's fine. 
uh, yeah, I mean, as far as yeah, it's fine. They 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 tell he tells he tells a story. Yeah. There's there's nothing of consequence that happens to any of these people. Um, it's just that time. It's almost like um, the being read the Neil Gaiman uh, Norse myths because it's like and then some more stuff happened and like yeah. no one's advancing anything. No one like there's no uh, character development here. It's just a fairly straightforward. Uh, we punched some giants and uh, saved Odin, and then Odin was kind of a jerk. But that's Odin, like, or not Odin? Zeus. Zeus. Um, Zeus was kind of a jerk, but that's Zeus. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the, the good it's part Marvel is actually, two and one. Yeah, exactly. The, the good part is actually the interstitial parts where one of the kids will interrupt Ben as he's talking. And that's only, I only like that because it's good story. It's decent storytelling reminding me that, Hey, this is a story he's telling to these kids to get them to calm the fuck down. I don't know. That's at least cute. Yeah. Um, hmm. Moving on. Uh, Marvel two and one uh, number 45 has a cover by Ron Wilson and is written by Peter Gillis, penciled by Alan Copperberg, inked by Mike Esposito, colored by Phil Rachelson, and lettered by Michael Higgins, um, and edited by Roger Stern. Uh, Captain Marvel helps Thing fight Boss Baker from that gangster scroll planet. Uh, cool. Um... Like yep. the 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 only thing about this that um that kind of matters at all is if you read that I those issues uh where thing went on that adventure, there was the the robot mm -hmm. um that uh Torgo, mm -hmm. who helped him overthrow that planet. Um, he helped him overthrow that a, planet. And then they went to Mecca, which is where Torgo was from. And Torgo was like, I have to kill you. I'm sorry. And then yeah. they got past that. Um, so yeah. they were actually kind of friends with this Torgo guy. And yeah. his, his head makes an appearance in this issue. Um, yeah. 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 But then like the head winds up killing boss baker um but like because it like revives long enough to just be like fuck you from hell's heart i stab at thee and uses up the last of its energy to do so but then like marvell is just like i'll take him home and they can fix him and it's like so none of this matters hooray <laughs> like whatever um but yeah other than Two that one always sort of ends up feeling like that uh, well okay i'm gonna go 70% of the time 2 and one feel ends up feeling like that none of this matters hooray um yeah that yeah there's the rare exception where like the 2 and one annual is where thanos dies 
and stuff like that. But by and large, yeah, uh, Marvel Marvel two and one and Marvel team up are just a whole lot of like here's a bunch. It's a bunch of stuff that happened. Team <laughs> like, up's better. Team up is actually at least recently. Team up has managed to actually like do some stuff, whereas two yeah. and one just rarely ever hits anything. Other yeah. than to be like, there was that one issue like a year and a half ago that uh, was Black Widow in that. That one was cool, but that was mostly because Black Widow was being awesome, yeah. um, kicking the shit out of people. But most of the time it's things like this where it's like, what are we doing? Like, okay, we're doing this. I mean, really? And and that's fine because that's kind of the point of two and one. Go read Marvel's uh, book. That's what it's doing. Yeah. Like that that's all it is. Of course it's a moot point because it gets canceled, but whatever. Um Okay. Back into so, the Brynaki pit. Well, we're done with Brynaki for the for the time being. Um but Master of Kung Fu number seventy six has a cover by Mike Zeck and Joe Rubenstein and is inked by Gene Day, colored by Bob Sharon, lettered by John Costanza. Uh, Shang-Chi goes into this dive bar to talk to a random old Asian man to just be like, what, what am I doing? I don't like violence. I don't want violence. But yet that's all my life seems to be. And the old man is just kind of like, well, you know, it seems to me that that's what you are. You just resent it. And then the old man's just like, why don't we go into this other room to talk about it? But then they get in there and the old man betrays Shang-Chi to a bunch of guys for money. Shang-Chi kicks the shit out of them uh, and finds out that they were hired by a guy named Zaren to attack him. Uh, while that's going on, Blackjack Char is, Char is checking out um sir dennis's scotland estate where sir dennis melissa yeah. and reston are being held by somebody no we um, know who they're being held by we, we skipped over all of that because it's inconsequential but they went to the during the first run of this week's is when nayland smith goes he takes those th- those up uh, those two goes to this to the estate in scotland then they get jumped by Melissa's the first one to get captured. Then uh, Nayland Smith's easy because he's broken. Um, and Reston is following them around uh, through these dark passages throughout the thing. Uh, he gets bopped on the head by all these guys as well. Um, and when he wakes up, he's tied up with those two, Nayland Smith and Melissa. And we find out that it's a guy from ni6 that we've met once before who was like the maybe a q analog from forever yeah. ago that i don't that's remember. basically he's the gadget guy yeah um but he's now like in charge to a certain extent like he's in charge of a certain section of mi6 yeah. now yeah I'm and getting he's very the one like, that's after all of them yeah i'm uh, getting very upper middle management from him. yeah like he's got a he's a section head, but like with a lot of freedom of movement, I guess, because nobody notices that he's using all the things. Ugh. Yeah. So 
the the upshot of all of this is that this guy Ward Sarsfield uh, thinks that they've all been turned and that Fu Manchu is still alive and blah blah blah. Who gives a shit? Whatever. He's out to kill them all uh, and go after Fu Manchu. So Master of Kung Fu number seventy. What? I will say the very end of this is rad. That this is the one that I think I really, or one of the ones this week that I really liked because so he beats up these guys that were that had taken him to the docks to shoot him or stab him or catch. Oh yeah, him you're right. Whatever. I forgot about this. And he goes back to the bar, goes inside, and finds the old man that betrayed him. And the guy's like, "Oh shit, you're here to kill me, aren't you?" And he's basically Shang Chi sort of stands there makes a decision throws some money at the guy and then turns around and leaves and as he's he's like buy back your soul which is a good line he goes home or he goes back to Laco's apartment which I guess is home and starts trying to explain his fucking evening to her Um, and she does a really good job listening and also telling him some stuff and like it's a good moment and in this in this conversation is when he kind they get a he gets a call from blackjack that something's fucked up at in scotland they need to go do more violence and it's during this conversation and then that the aftermath of that phone call that he's like okay uh i've been fighting this internally this is who i am this is how i can do some semblance of good with fists Mm -hmm. i don't have to like it but it is what i'm for and it's like it's real dark uh but i can't i just remember really enjoying this conversation well and i i like the fact that he he asks he asks leiko you know the the issue we read last week where it was just their mundane life right and he's like that time we had those two weeks where nothing was blowing up and we were just able to exist together he's like was that real and she's like i think so and we don't we don't really get any any closure to that but also i don't think it's possible in this context to get any sort of closure yeah like i think that's the point is that because he ends it with why did it why did that have to end like yeah what why did why couldn't we just keep doing that why was there why does there have to be so much violence and she like looks at him and is like i uh that's because that's a big fucking question right like that's a that's one of those like hard questions of consciousness right like you you this that that is what being that is what existing is and um he's never had to face that sort of dichotomy before not not only because he hasn't either a he was under his father's control and uh, upbringing, and he just was told how to think all the time. 
or B. Well, he went straight from that to Sir Dennis, who was just like, we're doing good. Go do this thing because this is for the good. And that gets shattered. And then now he's out of that. And he's just like, he's never, he's never been an independent person before. And certainly we've seen this with him where he's kind of jumping from thing to thing, trying to figure, you know, trying to find something to hold on to something to something that will fill that void in him. And now this is the first time where he's actually had to confront that and just be like, what is the point of me? Yeah. Um, and again, this kind of goes back to Brynaki. <laughs> um, uh, you know, th- of course, the question, you know, Shang-Chi is ostensibly more able to wrestle with those sorts of questions. But also, is he? I mean, again... We're not talking about we we've talked previously about how Shang-Chi is a is his development has been so utterly arrested Mm -hmm. that, you know, he hasn't had to he hasn't had the same developmental benchmarks as other people wherein they sort of figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. Um and now he finds himself in this situation and he's just kind of like, fuck. And, you know. Yeah, I know. If, I mean, he's, this is, this is a man who has been confronted with the mundane and mm-hmm. has to figure out who he is in that space because he's never been there before. That's why yeah. that issue last week was so good or two weeks ago, whatever was so good because last episode he uh being confronted with the mundane he started to maybe think this was what real life was like and like it was good and it was flow and it had to end and that breaks his heart and yeah it's like yeah no dude and Laiko for her part is doing a really good job of just being like just talk just just talk to me well you know i understand she can see that he's wrestling with it really hard and she wants to help him. But like, you're asking big questions now, bud. Um, yeah, that I'll be here for you while you figure out the answers. But, and again, that kind of rolls into, you know, the end of the issue, blackjack calls and he's like, uh, some, she's like, shit's going down in, uh, um, Scotland, Scotland, we gotta go and he's like okay and like no it's good and bad for him in a yeah he gets to turn off that part of him that was wrestling with this to go do the thing but also he gets to choose to do that so yeah sometimes agency is a double-edged sword i don't know like that well, sounds bad. I'm gonna take that back. Right <laughs> well, no, I mean it's he he gets it saves him from these questions for the moment, right. in as much as he can take a break from wrestling with that. Mm-hmm. But it's also stuff he needs to figure out. So the fact that he's not is not necessarily a great thing. He needs to 
do this. So, uh, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, sorry. Um, so the uh, Master of Kung Fu number seventy-seven uh, has a cover by Mike Zeck and Bob McLeod, colored by George Bell, lettered by Joe Rosen. Um, on the one hand, up in Scotland, you've got Black Jack Tar, who comes face to face with Ward Sarsfield, uh, manages to shoot a couple of the robots working for Ward, but then takes a bullet himself and is captured. Um, Ward ostensibly has some dudes coming, whatever. Uh, the bulk of this, though, is Shang-Chi and Laiko are on their way to meet Black Jack Tar, but are waylaid by men working with Zarin. Zarin shows up. Uh, there is a fight over the recording that Shang-Chi made. Um, and Zarin is able to escape with the recording after he causes the car Lako is driving to crash. Um, and Shang-Chi is not... Shang we're left with a bit of a cliffhanger as to whether or not Lako is alive or dead. But Shay, this is this is this is like the uh killing John Wick's I don't wanna I don't wanna compare yeah. this, but I mean it's that moment it's that moment after they kill John Wick's dog and steal his car, where you're just like, Oh, you made a mistake. Yeah. Not because I'm saying Lako is like a dog, but just it's one of those situations where you have pissed off someone you really should not have pissed off. Yeah, well, and it's in the exact... Well, actually, you know, that holds in that the dog is symbolic, right? The dog is symbolic and of, like, it, his last connection to his wife. Right. And um, this... Lako is not symbolic. She is actually <laughs> the connection to this new world that he was struggling with that we've yeah. been spending 15 minutes fucking talking about like her being dead would be very very bad for everyone yeah. like he doesn't yeah. like that's and it would be bad for him it would be bad for whoever he pisses off it would be um it it yeah, the the thing it holds yeah that's good yeah uh yeah i just i don't want to give the impression that i'm no, saying no, no. it's a direct one-to-one -one. it's just like oh that that went to a bad place accidentally i don't but think no you i a i'm just saying uh, we all we're all big boys and understand what metaphor is <laughs> yeah no i i understand i'm just i have to the minute i don't clarify that someone's going to be like oh you're oh, saying really? that an Asian woman is the same as a dog? No, 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 no. God damn it, no. No. I'm just saying it's that moment where you've pissed somebody off and now you're going to reap the whirlwind. So. One last yeah. thing is uh, this fight between Zaran and are on the train. Actually, the fight, most of this fight between Zaran and Shang-Chi is fucking awesome. Yeah. Because they fall off a bridge, they're on a train, they're on the logs on top of this freight train, they're, the tape is scattering all over the place. Like, it's kinetic and really mm -hmm. good. I love the hell out of this fight. Uh, yeah. All right. 
All right, so that brings us to Master of Kung Fu number 78, which has a cover by Mike Zack and is inked by Al Gordon and colored by Bob Sharon. Uh, Shang-Chi walks to the nearest <laughs> place, uh, which is like several miles, uh, to get Leiko some, uh, some medical attention. Fortunately, it turns out she just has a concussion. But Shang-Chi goes, Shang-Chi is like, are you aware of a guy called Zarin? And they're like, yeah, he's across the lock. And he's just like, all right. And so he makes his way across the lock and like comes ashore and just sits and waits. And, uh. He sees he sees Zarin meeting with someone and he's the thing is he recognizes the voice, but he's so tired yeah, uh, and strung out just by everything that's happened that it doesn't really click for him. So he goes in and proceeds like I was I was genuinely like excited for this because I was like, oh, man. Shang-Chi is gonna fuck you up. And uh, they have a good fight. Unfortunately, Zarin is able to get away. Um, and Shang-Chi Shang searches the house and finds the tape. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, the next issue, though is where things finally sort of come to a head of, as far as all of this. Um, but I do, I do want to say like, I was, I was genuinely ready because Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi tells Zarin, he's like, Leiko is still alive, but we're going to proceed as though she weren't. Uh, so I was straight ready for Shang-Chi to end this guy <laughs> like with a smile on his face. Mm -hmm. I, that's not what happened, but I was like, this is how good the lead up to this was that I was genuinely like, Oh, you need to run sweetie. You need to go. You need to get the fuck out of there. You do not know what you have called down on yourself. I have seen this man take apart an entire room of cybernetically enhanced people and he wasn't mad like that was yeah. when he was that we i mean he was focused but it was just regular focused you have all that coming right at you uh, you have all of shang chi's anger and all of shang chi's skill laser focused at like the spot between your eyes there is no way <laughs> and this is this a man is going this is a man as we've discussed who has some things to work out Right. Yeah. And like one of the going back to that issue during the mundane, like one of the things that he enjoys is using his martial arts. He doesn't really like the violence, but he likes the focusing part of it and he likes the, the rhythms and the flows. And that's how he kind of deals with things. You're about to get all of that. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we've we've so basically what it comes down to is you have a man who was raised as a weapon. Yeah. And he managed to find someone who makes him feel like a human being. 
and you very nearly took that away. There is nowhere you are safe. <laughs> and and honestly, in this next epi- in this next issue, we find out that literally the only thing that saves him is uh the fact that swimming across the lock gave made Shang Chi sick. Like yeah. so in in Master of Kung Fu number seventy nine which has a cover by Mike Zeck and Gene Day, inked by Gene Day and lettered by Jim Novak. Uh, Zarin is there at the house and Blackjack Tar is working on freeing himself. Zarin shows up and immediately murders Ward. He's just like, we're done, stab. Uh, And then Shang-Chi and Leiko show up, but Leiko is still concussed. And... Uh, Shang-Chi is now delirious with fever. Yeah. And ultimately, that's the only thing that saves Zarin, is that um, Shang-Chi defeats him, but, like, Shang-Chi does not have the wherewithal to murder him. <laughs> um, and that's the only reason Zarin survives this confrontation. And, uh, like, it's really good... Because during the initial, like, hey, we're here now. Because Leiko came to the house and picked him up. like, But her concussion is still fucked. And yeah. it's still a concussion. And um, at one point, Zarin throws a knife. And it th- we're, like, Shang-Chi is just about gone. Like if yeah. the if the thing that happens next wouldn't have ha- didn't happen, he just would have passed out. Um, but automatic reflex, like, cause he's a weapon, right? Like, in when yeah. you t- strip out, like the body just takes over. He blocks the knife, but accidentally sends it sends the hilt into Laco's uh, temple. So she goes down, and he's like, basically. I swear to God, if you just made me kill her on accident, like you're you're toast. You're yeah. you're absolute fucked. Um, so he gets back in the game, but like is full on hallucinating death and gets the shit kicked out of him until he finally, you know, pulls through it and, uh, kicks the ever living crap out of him. Um, yeah. Even feverish. He's still, he still takes him apart. And, uh, in the end he collapses, uh, and is put to bed the men that Ward was waiting for show up. But since MI6 is still like a bureaucracy, they're just, Sir Dennis is just like, yep, I'll turn in a report. And the guys are just like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. <laughs> uh, which is a really shitty criminal conspiracy. Like when, when, the dude running the conspiracy is taken out and everybody else is just sort of like, okay, I guess you're in charge now. Yeah. Whatever. Like, that's good for the leader of the conspiracy to have people who are, like, not really able to think for themselves. Sure. But it sucks for the conspiracy if you're ever taken out. Um, But so Sir Dennis listens to the tape and discovers that it was recorded over 
so their evidence has been lost. And uh, it is. it turns out that Shang-Chi's half-sister follows Sui, who is, who now, so, uh, this is what's frustrating about um, them losing the rights to the Sax-Romer stuff, um, is that she is now Zheng Bao Yu. I guess. But here she still follow. Uh, whatever. It's his sister. She's still alive and she leaves a message for him on the recording. Um, but she recorded over all of their evidence. Sucks to be you. Um, <coughs> like we said, though, there was some stuff that was really... There was some stuff that was really frustrating. But even the shit I didn't like... I don't know, you know, talking to you and realizing that Brynaki is Shang-Chi just as a, as a child robot that likes to play dress up. Um, I hate, I hate it because it's Brynaki, but also like it works thematically. The parallels um, are there, yeah. The parallels between Brynaki and Shockwave and Shockwave yeah. and Shang-Chi and Brynaki and Shang-Chi. <sighs> yeah, it's interesting. And there's there's a lot of stuff here with Shang-Chi trying to figure out what the point of him is now and where he's going to go. Works. Yeah, that being the central question of the book is a good pivot right yeah and it's also a pivot that feels earned um yeah we had to go through a lot of stupid to get here um and some really good stuff too but like to get to like having that issue where he just where they just hang out and they build the puzzle right I did not realize how impactful that was going to be. Like, I loved that issue when we read it. I thought it was really good. But the fact that it was the basis for, like, a lot of this who am I, what are we doing here, it shows remarkable constraint on the um, part of the storyteller to actually, like, okay, we're just going to do this for a whole issue nope nobody's gonna get punched in the face i'll do a cliffhanger at the end but like we're just gonna do this with some backstory and yeah. that's incredible constraint on or restraint on the uh on the part of the storyteller to do that because it ends up giving you so many more things to play with here yeah. about what this guy is about the things that he's going through and about and at least they're they're all earned. Um, the Branaki stuff again, yeah. Once we finally hit that thread, it was like that's annoying, but kind of cool too, because it's like the training wheels version of what we're doing now, right? Like we get the Branaki stuff, and the that end of that story arc where Branaki's talking to the corpse of Mordio, and it's gro you know. 
okay. It's just, yeah, I guess it's the training wheels version. The get ready. If you're paying attention, buckle up because this is what we're doing now. And I, yeah, I appreciate that. I just wish again, it's, it's lame, but like, it's lame to repeat it over and over again. It's just Brynaki's whole thing sucks. Uh, other than that, I wish it, it's a great way in. Um, yeah. Also doing that same thing, doing that along the parallel with Shockwave as well. A man who had to, who achieved something of building himself up again after thinking that his personality had been destroyed, having that ripped away, having a new thing he built himself that he thinks is himself get start to break down like and it there's a scene on there's the scene on the beach while they're still while he's suffering you know with the aftermath of telling that story and Lako's like okay it's fine you know we're gonna get you back to the uk we're gonna get you help we're gonna find some therapy for you you know we'll, we'll work this out um like the compassion for that as well is good uh it's just so many weird this, it's a really good book, like, by and large. <laughs> there are parts there's where just I'm just so like... Many other th- there's yeah. things like, you know, the thing... One of my favorite parts of, like, all of the stuff that happened in the latter part of uh, Shang-Chi this week is the fact that, like, Reston is there, but he doesn't talk a lot. <laughs> That's really nice. Like, well, and I mean, that goes back thank to God. <laughs> well, but that goes back to the thing that we were talking about with uh, Nova and Miss Marvel and like Spider-Man is like supporting characters. You can do them. But like, let me give a shit about my main guy first. This book's finally doing that. Then give them a relationship that is extremely important and integral to to maybe not integral to who they are because that but like is extremely important to them allow Mm -hmm. me to care about that like that's what we're doing now take all these take all the other people that you've been trying to foist on me put them in a basement tied up (laughs) 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 and let like if they're there if they're there whatever yeah fine like i'm not i'm not opposed to like if they're doing something and Clive Reston is just like, I'm here to help. Shoot, shoot. Like, whatever. But, like, That's what I don't give a fuck about Clive. I don't either. I don't care about Clive. I don't care about Blackjack. I don't really care about Sir Dennis. No. Like, all like, I give a shit about is, what are they doing that impacts Shang-Chi? Yeah. If they're not doing that, get the fuck rid of them. Well, or put them someplace else. Like, they become the MacGuffin of this story yeah. at the end, which is fine because he had things to work on for himself as we made that journey to save these people. I don't need right. to know what they're up to for most of it. Jack, 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 we didn't even mention that Blackjack got, no, you did mention that he got shot and is bleeding to death throughout most of this, but like, I don't care. Shut up. We didn't spend a lot of time on it because who gives a shit? It, well, it's, it's, kind of a distraction like he's there and like we mentioned he's working on getting free yeah but then like he's just sort of trying to find the right time to do something 
and I don't, I don't, whatever. No, they. Shang-Chi and Leiko here are here. And I'm I thought fine that they now. did a better job in that issue with the train fight of being like, let's check in with these guys for three and a half panels just to let you know that this is where they're going. Back to the train fight or whatever. Right. Or back to our train fight about to commence. Like yeah. that was, that was good. Like, yeah, here's the rundown of what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Let's go. Truck pulls yeah. in front of them, stops, fight ensues. Like that was, right. that was the kind of, it is fine to remind me that this care, these characters exist. I don't need them fucking quipping in the background while my man does awesome shit or is dealing with shit. Like get right. them out of the way. They can be around, right? But like they cannot get in the way of my, of, of my man's learning, right? I'd like, even, you know, I'd even be fine with Clive Reston if we just struck the words my father yeah, and my great uncle from his vocabulary. Yeah, he is no longer allowed to talk. Do away with all of that. And Clive Reston is even kind of okay, but well, like, shut the fuck up about your famous relatives. But also shut the fuck up about this love triangle that no longer exists. I don't yeah. want to hear about it anymore. It's too... It's resolved. It, it it has to be resolved because we have other things to do now. Like, yeah. we, with Shang-Chi himself, like, the character has, has another thing going on that doing a love triangle is not going to help him or Leiko or Reston or me care about any of that. Like, right. if, you brought, if you brought back the love triangle, it would scuttle everything. And yeah. that's I'm so happy to see that they're just like, no, we're done with that. We gave we gave Reston Melissa. I'm sorry, Melissa. Uh, but <laughs> I'm like, so sorry, Melissa. <laughs> it, it's just it this book is so good when it's good. Yeah. And horribly frustrating when it is when it's frustrating. Um, yeah. And the racism. And the racism. Yeah. That's that's the that's the hardest part is what you, even God when the book is so... good, you're still just like there's blackjack being a racist, and you're like just get go. Just go. go. Fall into a manhole, please. Anyway. Alright. Speaking of Doug Mensch writing about people who can't figure out what their purpose is meant to be, Captain Marvel number 58 has a cover by Dave Cockrum and Joe Rubenstein and is written by Doug Mensch, penciled by Pat Broderick, inked by Bob McLeod, colored by Francois Mouly, lettered by Denise Wall, and edited by Roger Stern. Drax, uh, Drax is, Drax discovers that Thanos is dead. So he comes after the only person he knows of who has the power to destroy Drax, Marvell. Marvell has quit his job at the observatory and is now just kind of going out to explore Earth. When he's attacked by Drax, they kind of maybe nuke a city. <laughs> yeah, Denver. I think it's Denver gets fucked up a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does not go well for Denver. Um, and then. And then 
They're interrupted by the supercomputer Isaac, which runs Titan, uh, which tells them, hey, Thanos' armada is here at Titan and they're attacking. Uh, please come and help. To which... That's generally 58. Um, yeah, it, uh, there's not a whole lot else that happens in here besides Marvel kind of trying to keep Drax from killing him and also getting him to like talk like what are we doing why are we doing this I don't understand and Drax is just I didn't like, kill Thanos uh, yeah and Drax is like I don't I don't believe that um and <laughs> B uh I'm pretty pissed off that my one purpose in life is now gone um yeah. so you're you're my guy sorry I'm gonna fuck you up and yeah. uh when Isaac calls and he's like, hey, we're getting attacked by Thanos's schemes. Marvel has the wherewithal to be like, okay, wait, hey, hold on. Uh, Drax, Marvel or Thanos's stuff is still happening. That counts, right? You need to destroy that, right? And he's like, I suppose. Let's I'll go. kill you after. I will kill you. And, and it's like, I will I, kill you that's after. That's the thing I like. Uh, that's the thing I like about Drax throughout this is that, like, Marvel, every time Marvel, like, saves Drax's ass, Drax is like, that's not going to save you. Yeah. We're still going to have this out. Yeah. And Marvel's like, all right. Uh, like, whatever, man. Uh, so, Captain Marvel number 59 has a cover by Pat Broderick and Bob Wachek, uh, and is inked by Bruce Patterson, colored by Bob Sharon, lettered by Clem Robbins. Um, they get to Titan, but unbeknownst to them, Isaac had been reprogrammed by Thanos. So Isaac is now working with the remains of Thanos' armada <clears throat> and has taken uh, Mentor and Eros and all of the Eternals of titan a uh, prisoner and is getting ready to destroy them uh and in is in the process of creating a couple of new entities to do his business for him one is called elysius uh who is this synthetic woman basically uh and then one is called stellarax and he takes Stellarax and he's like, go to Earth. Now that Marvell and Drax are here, take over Earth while it's unprotected. Which, it's not, but okay. I love uh, how the rest, the rest of the universe never learns its lesson when it comes to Earth, ever. And I mean, yeah. seven, 70 years of comics that... <laughs> Galactus got his ass, well, didn't get his ass kicked, but Galactus got told... Chased away. Chased with away. With his tail between his legs. Within, you know, 48 hours. And no, but that would be news, I would think, in the galactic circles. Um, or in the cosmic sense of things. But no, the Titans, who share our own goddamn solar system even, don't know that Earth is not to be fucked with. Like, yep. that's, what, is that the beginning of what story? It's the, there's a Guardians arc where that's essentially the whole deal is. Yeah, 
the all, of, all of the galactic races get together because it was after it was uh after they kind of redid uh star lord a bit and made him the son of of jason jason the uh leader of the spartaks and uh (coughs) all of the galactic races get together and they're just like we're done fucking with earth yeah every time we try that goes badly and just leave them alone (laughs) they get everybody on board because it's the kree and the badoon and the uh the brood the brood and uh, like all the major like heavy hitting bad guys bad guy aliens and then like even the asgardians and some of the other pantheon races show up and everybody's just like okay we all agree earth is off limits cuz it fucks our shit up every single time yeah. Everybody like the yeah the creed the scroll are there too. Everybody just agrees we're not doing it anymore. Yeah, um, that immediately goes to shit because Peter. But like, um, it's it took seventy years for us to get to the point where people were just like, hey, quick note, this always goes poorly. Let's not yeah. do it anymore. Yeah, but anyway, so. Uh, Captain Marvel number 60 has a cover by Herb Trimpey and Irving Watanabe, colored by George Russos, lettered by Annette Kowecki and Gaspar Saladino. Drax and, uh, and Marvel are fighting their way through uh, the various traps on Titan. They run into Dionysus, who gets who drugs them, and then are taken away and brought to Elysius, but like Marvel's just like, we don't have to fight, and Elysius is like, prove it, and Marvel's just like, tiger, your tiger's like me, and Elysius is like, good enough, and so she defects from Isaac because a, Mar her tigers liked Marvel, b, she's digging Eros, and c, yeah. she's digging Marvel, yeah, which. Okay, like, you know, she didn't really seem that into Isaac's whole thing to begin with. Um, So it's not like, it's not like it's, it's not one of those situations where she's like hardcore on Isaac's team. And then she's just like, okay, I'll switch. She was never really on board. Yeah. And so her switching is like, yeah all right every time you see her in the chamber where the titans are being held she's just like hmm what what were you saying no i was i was ogling the pretty boy am i yeah i was i was stroking this dude's uh, this unconscious dude's face am i you were i assume what and she isaac's like like fucking listen to me go to the life baths and do something and she's like um Okay, I just don't really like this plan, but I guess I'll go along with it because you literally gave me life. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. So yeah. when so when Marvel is like, "Hey, we don't have to," she's like, "You're pretty too." Okay, yeah, <laughs> it actually works. Yeah, and this is not the worst reason to join somebody. I guess like when someone's dangerously crazy um like isaac is being 
and then somebody else shows up and they're like, we don't have to fight, you know, being like, okay, I don't want to fight you. Plus you're pretty. Okay. I mean, <laughs> it's not the most solid reasoning, but whatever. You <laughs> know? It's sophisticated, right? Like you didn't, you didn't, it's come super to... shallow. Oh yes. But like there are so many worse reasons for joining up. Like I'd rather, I'd rather someone join up cause they've, they like, kind of want to fuck somebody yeah then like one of these people who's just like for glory yeah like and like drax drax being obsessed with destroying thanos that's a terrible reason to do stuff <laughs> like i don't i don't get that level of obsessiveness but like you're pretty i guess i'll go i won't kill you like i get that <laughs> um so anyway, so while all of this is going on, Isaac is building another uh, entity, which we will meet in the next issue. Uh, so Captain Marvel number 61 has a cover by Pat Broderick and Joe Rubenstein and is colored by Bob Sharon, lettered by Joe, Jim Novak. Um, Marvell, Drax, and Elysius get to Isaac and end up having to go up against his new minion, which is called Chaos. Um, Marvell is swallowed and winds up having to fight the thing that is inside Chaos, which is an entity called Tartarus. Uh, he manages to do so while that's going on. Drax and Elysius destroy Chaos. Once all that is done, Marvell finds himself deep inside of Isaac's programming, and he is able to disconnect Isaac from like parts of his systems, and then they're able to free the the Eternals of Titan. And Isaac's just like, whatever, you can't reprogram me. I can countermand everything you do faster than you can do it. And they're like, okay, well, we're gonna keep trying anyway. You, meanwhile, should go to Earth because Stellarax is up to shit. And so that's what Marvell and Drax do. <laughs> Marvell and Drax, and as they're leaving, Drax is still like, I'm going to kill you. Like, yeah, you know that, right? And he's like, yes, I know. Come on. <laughs> You're like a fucking broken record, <laughs> man. Damn it, man. Come on. Get another track. This is, this is some Dread Pirate Roberts shit. It's just <laughs> like, good night, Wesley. Good work today. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. Um, <laughs> while all of that is going on, uh, Stellarax is on Earth and has now uh, is now he's got a massive laser. He's going to take over the world. Rick Jones and Gertie are there. Whatever. So, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Captain Marvel number 62 has a cover by Pat Broderick and Bruce Patterson and is colored by Nelly Amtov and lettered by John Costanza. Uh, Marvell and Drax split up. Marvell goes to Washington, D.C., which has been blacked out by Stellarax. They fight. Uh, Drax, meanwhile, goes after the space laser, which is where Rick Jones and Gertie are. Uh, they manage to, while the, spa the space laser gets fired... 
Rick is able to reach the controls and uh, knock it off course so that it just barely misses the uh, <clears throat> the uh, the planet and I guess shoots off into dis- into space and destroys another civilization. Apparently. This is this is one of the this reminds me of the uh, there's an episode of Birdman, uh, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, mm-hmm. the the Apache chief episode where he knocks the meteor off into space. <laughs> and then you see like this other alien planet where they're celebrating 10,000 years of peaceful civilization. And then it's just like, <laughs> and that's that's what happened like this this shit slams into mars and like murders everybody there um i actually that's one of those so space in general works like that for me in my brain so like anytime i'm reading or watching expanse and they're just shooting off all these goddamn rounds into space at like especially when once they get the railgun going and like you know perceptible measures of c and they're firing this fucking slug of tungsten i'm like where's that going like i realize it's going to be thousands and thousands of years and it probably won't hit anything but imagine if you're on the other side of andromeda and this fucking three pound tungsten steel slug plows through your ship and you're just like what the fuck was that yeah like (laughs) what are we doing guys and especially especially in a vacuum where like that where it's just gonna keep going until it runs into something (laughs) yes like the the odds that it will run into something are astronomical (laughs) since it's mostly empty i guess but still like it can keep going indefinitely but like clear across the universe the, billions of years from now there could just be some planet that's just sitting there minding its own business and then gets fucking railgunned <laughs> but like and it come like the odds drop even lower once you see especially in expanse the guns come out and then just like the ship itself is carrying pdc rounds which are like uh two millimeter two or three millimeter uh basically tracers things to blow up missiles with yeah um but they carry eighty five thousand of them on the ship and are routinely going through most of it so it's like you're just peppering alien civilizations with really fast space junk what are you doing how do you keep that from hitting earth what is going on gotta gotta hash out our petty rivalries i guess um but so the some some alien race gets destroyed (laughs) whatever um earth is safe and that's all that matters um and so uh stellar axe is defeated and they're just like okay let's go back to titan and Rick and Gertie are like, we want to go too. And Marvel's like, but I thought you were going to go back to your life and stuff. And Rick's like, yeah, well, and it's like, decide what you're fucking doing. <laughs> like, please, 
but whatever it's the last issue of the book so fuck it well and that's the thing about rick jones in general like why rick jones is annoying i understand his purpose initially um because we need we need a not spider-man to uh identify with i guess and uh he's just so annoying the the problem that i have is do we i mean i understand why we i understand why you know like i don't get angry about humans in kaiju movies because without first of all without uh without a human you know scale Mm -hmm. it might as well just be two creatures fighting in a void right uh but also because there's no arc for kaiju as a general rule right you have the odd exception but generally speaking they're just giant creatures they don't have they don't have (coughs) character arcs to any great degree sure you're not you're not like sorry they don't um but they're also not so well okay i was about to probably get in trouble but them not having character arc is also part of the point right like it's force of nature shit happens sometimes it's assholes yeah like they they're trying to with like kong and his family and assert i don't care like i i'm here to see a giant ape fight a giant lizard the and oh look spoilers Mecha Godzilla is here now. Like, okay. Yeah. But also, like, that's not... There's nothing to invest myself in, generally speaking. Because, like, I don't care about Kong's search for a family. No. He's I, a giant ape. <laughs> I think those things like that succeed when... And even Rick Jones succeeds when he's dealing with the aftermath or the current shit is exploding all around him and he needs to like get out of the way or get in you know pull the lever that'll sever some power to whatever entity we're fighting this week or whatever right he succeeds when he's when he's an active participant in the 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 crisis when it's when he's just sort of like there but to here be... but here's what uh, here's what i'm saying okay i don't need that okay okay humans and transformers okay because transformers are from another planet ostensibly different culture even yeah. though that doesn't always come across stuff like that i get that you need to ground it with a human perspective yeah okay Sure. I don't need that for most superheroes because they're human to some extent. Clark Kent is a godlike alien, but he was raised human. He has an Earth-based perspective. So there is a commonality between me and Clark Kent. There's a commonality between me and Spider-Man, me and Captain America, me and Batman, whatever, because we're all at least... 
initially starting from the same place. I don't need Rick Jones. Yeah, because the initial, even with Marvell, the 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 interesting part is the struggle with what now that I'm different, right? Or mm-hmm. now that I have adopted this new home world where I am very different. Thor is also a good example. What does that mean for me, right? right. Like struggling with your humanity is the point of that that is mostly the point of that story or that yeah archetype i guess and uh which means i don't need rick here mucking things up like yeah i i understand from a publishing's perspective like a an initial like that we need we need rick actually hold on rick with the hulk at first probably made sense because it's Supposed to be doing the thing that you're talking about. I cannot identify with the Hulk because the Hulk refuses to identify with anything in the early days, right? Whereas, so, Rick being involved with that to offer that perspective of the, the Hulkness. But as soon as you get away from that and, like, start giving the Hulk more personality and giving him things to do and wants and drives and uh, character, then I don't need Rick Jones anymore. Go away. He's a superfluous teenager. He's just there to be like, dig it, daddy-o. And I'm just like, no. Anyway. What was that? Is that a... It's a uh, post-Civil War... The... I know we've talked about it before. The support group for young heroes. Where Mm. we're not going to do it anymore. Uh, And he shows up and is basically a smarmy dick. (laughs) Yeah. Like ostensibly trying to be nice, but it's like, you're Rick Jones, you're famous. And he's like, nah, I don't have, you know, we're all, we can just rap. And it's like, you're not a person anymore. <laughs> you never were. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, we, so this is the end of the Captain Marvel title for the time being. Um, the story continues actually in our reading next week. Uh, it continues into Marvel spotlight. Um, and so we wrap up some of this shit. Um, it seems to be that that's, that's what you do. You, uh, you, you kill a book and then tie things up in premiere or spotlight. Or, or Marvel two in one, or, or, <laughs> or yeah, two in one, or you introduce a new thing, see how it floats in Marvel in Premiere or Spotlight, and then if it works, maybe we introduce it to two in one or team up, and then right. maybe they get their. That's how you get your Moon Knight or your whatever. Um, right. It's also how they you know because they did that both to Warlock and uh, team or Marvel as well. Yeah, it's like. Uh, we canceled the book, but people are pissed. Let's let's finish the story over here. Yeah. Uh, top five. Top five. The uh, Watcher's Guide's five. top five. Rick Jones destroys top untold five. civilizations. Uh... <laughs> Um, number four is I'm still going to kill you. God, just, I know, man. I, I get it. You're going to kill me when we're done with this. Just, ugh. Um, number three, 
uh, doing the work to get me to care about Shockwave. That is legitimately yeah. surprising. Um, yeah. But they... And it wasn't just a... Let's... They broke it down, right? It was done slowly. I wasn't just told to care about Shockwave now. I was given reasons to sympathize with this yeah he's an asshole but he's a clearly broken individual and mm. like doing this the deliberate work to show me why i should mm. s- start sympathizing or i should maybe sympathize with this individual that's really impressive um and again it's another like notch in the this is what we're doing now this is the story this is the book is wrestling with what it is that makes us who we are right like are we told are we created who who gets to like once you have agency over yourself what do you do with it and and I think I think one thing, one mistake that's often made with this book is, so, you know, the most, the most interesting character villains are ultimately the ones that reflect our hero in some way, mm-hmm. um, and I think that the the pitfall of a lot of what's what I've seen done with Shang-Chi is thinking that that means introducing a sibling or someone else who was specifically fucked up by Fu Manchu. It doesn't have to be that. It can be anything. It can be Brynaki. Yeah. Or it can be Shockwave or Mm -hmm. what have you. It just has to be someone who, you know is going through mm-hmm. the same thing. And I, you know, I think that's, I think that's what's interesting when you get into, you know, when you look at like Spider-Man three and here, here's the thing. I know a lot of people hate Spider-Man three. It's better than you give it credit credit for shut up. But, The ultimate problem, I think, with with Harry Osborn's arc in Spider-Man 3 is that there's too much of it. He got several movies worth of arc in a single film. But the point of Harry Osborn in that and Sandman is Harry Osborn is is Peter Parker if he didn't learn to forgive. Mm -hmm. Peter is able to forgive sandman for killing his uncle Mm -hmm. um and he is able to move on from that harry was not able to and that metastasized into his becoming the goblin you know Mm -hmm. and those sorts of villains are interesting but you don't have to make them a carbon copy Mm -hmm. of the hero the way they sometimes try to do in shang chi and it's just kind of like Okay, but not everything has to do with Fu Manchu. We can explore those themes without it being 
oh, Fu Manchu's responsible for everything. Well, but also, like... <clears throat> and what I think that's what I mean by they... You can do that as long as you do the work, right? You yeah. have to... So, so often, they'll be like... In comics in general, right? You'll get a villain that'll show up... In su superhero comics in general, you'll get a villain that'll show up and you'll be like, this guy's bad. And he reflects you know the a portion of our character back at them blah 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 and it's so ham-fisted that i don't give a yeah. shit right and shockwave started out that way um he was done dirty by nayland smith in the same sort of ways that shang chi was and i was told that that was impactful somehow but it wasn't it didn't land whereas this does because it's slow it's deliberate it gets to the point because he's literally being torn down throughout the issue like mm -hmm. he's they they have to jump into the water but if they do it'll kill him because shockwave right so they mm -hmm. have to remove his entire power apparatus which is the first box in well not it's the second box because he's already been had his uh minion the robot minion stripped away and well, and he got his mask knocked off. That's later. He first they take the power. Now that off. was that was before. I think that was before, wasn't it? Uh, it was, I don't know. The, it Whatever. doesn't matter. It doesn't okay. matter because it's incremental. Like each right. step is another flaw in the armor that he's constructed around himself, and that's good. Like, and then I get to like as a reader start finding parallels between that and what's happening to Shang Chi. Right. And it's, I, I, I don't, I, it's really good. So that was yeah. three. Uh, number two is the train fight because it's fucking rad. Um, that's the other thing that you can do with a villain if you do it right. Is like, I don't need to know this guy. He's really good at what he does, and what he does is stab people. And let's fucking go, right? Like mm -hmm. that's. That's another good thing that the, when this book is firing, it really does that. It's just like, no, I don't need to know this dude's backstory. He's trying to get the thing. Shang-Chi is currently a little messed up and doesn't want to deal with this, but like he has to do it and like just fucking it goes and it's so good. Um, and then number one is everything that we've been talking about throughout the entirety of the episode which is just Shang-Chi wrestling with purpose like what am I now what what does that what does mean what do I mean and it's like that conversation after he comes back from the bar after having thrown money at the guy and he asks like you know like you said he asks Leiko was any of that real is that what is real what is hap what is happening and yeah. she's like oh man like oh buddy that is rough to hear from a fully mm -hmm. grown adult like we have got work to do but it yeah it really sounds like because she's like how do i tell you that there is no answer to that yeah. right um that that's what we're always doing. Oh crap! Like she gets literally saved by the by a phone call, like yeah. to ha from having to have 
because he's in an extremely fragile position right then. And like, if she, she, she clearly sees that if she makes one wrong move with him right now, you know, philosophically, like he's, he's going to get, he, she can break him worse. She can maybe heal some stuff like, but she recognizes that, Oh, oh, I didn't realize it was this bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, then Blackjack calls and he kind of gets to make his own decision about what that means. And I, I thought that was so good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I had a, re- I had a really hard time because all of the Shang-Chi stuff could have been my top five. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So it was hard. It was hard to rein that in. Uh, number five is I'm still going to kill you. Like, you saving my ass. It, uh, we're still going to have this out. And Marvel's just like. <sighs> I love how All quickly right. it goes. It's clear that he had, that Drax had been hammering that point the entire trip from Earth to Titan. Like, yeah. I know, guy. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just yeah. don't want to. Could you get. Offer anything else to the conversation, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number four is uh, <laughs> Rick Jones just murdering some other planet. Uh, number three is uh, is uh, that moment where I was genuinely afraid for Zarin, where it's just like, yeah, run, <laughs> run. You don't want to do this. Uh <laughs> Like, you think you understand the situation. My dude, you do not get out of there. You messed up, A.A. Ron. Like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, that was three. Number I two so. yeah. was, uh, you're pretty. I guess I'll join you. Because, uh, like I said, I get it. Like... It, it's the most I, relatable thing that an uh, an underling, you know, like a, a lieutenant level villain has done switching sides since yeah. probably some of those warlock issues where people just were like, no, oh, we're on your side now because fuck that guy. Um, yeah. She's literally like, I was never really into this plan anyway. And uh, Eros is pretty and I kind of want that. And you're pretty. Then I want that. And my tiger griffin. Fuck Isaac. My I... tiger griffins. And I wouldn't either. Ugh, he's gross. Um, and uh, my tiger griffins seem to think you're cool. So sure. I'll be with you now. Yeah. And uh, okay. Yeah. She never does anything outwardly evil as well. She's just kind of. Eh. <laughs> yeah. She's created and she's just sort of like. Uh, okay yeah i guess i'm i guess i'm on your side but mm. uh and then like i said i i my number one is shang chi's existential crisis but ultimately that includes like all of the stuff with shockwave and i guess all of the stuff with brinaki and all uh you know all of the is this real is that real? Like God, what? You so know. Good. Yeah. So. It just informs 
it's just such a natural way for the character to develop. Yeah. Having gone through all of the idiotic nonsense that he's gone through up till now, right? Yeah. Like, it is such a good pivot for the book. Like, and the, the book had high moments before now right and it wasn't always the fights and stuff like that because i mean we've been dabbling with this idea all the way back into like what was that master of kung fu like two or something where mm -hmm. he um confronts fu manchu in the basement of that london place and they're like he's building more vitae and uh shang chi like discovers where the vitae comes from and like how it is that he keeps him alive and he they basically that's the conversation where he's like i'm done i'm like not we i am no longer your son and fu manchu's mm -hmm. like okay that's a choice um but you, you gotta know what that means right and he's right. like fuck you i don't care i'm out and like even fu manchu at that point tells him this means you'll have to figure out who you are mm -hmm. that's going to be scary and you know he's so pissed that he doesn't consider the, any of the wisdom because it's Fu Manchu you don't listen to him once you've decided because you're pretty sure he's trying to manipulate you which he was but it was also true like he needed it was going to be it is now terrifying that he has to figure out who he is he was just so distracted for the last however long that it's been because of the Nayland Smith crap and again even in the Nayland Smith like things we've been dabbling with this idea of like well if you don't want to do this what do you want to do like you've clearly told us over and over that our shit is bullshit and he's not wrong but like what do you want to do instead everybody keeps asking him that and he gets distracted and doesn't answer so to take those two weeks or whatever it was to get into a rhythm and like yeah that would fuck him up really badly and it did so good yeah so yeah uh that is it for this week next week we've got a bunch of stuff um we're gonna finish up this this uh this marvell story we have spider-man supervillain team up incredible hulk avengers fantastic four on and on and on uh it's a it's a hodgepodge of shit so yeah <laughs> Uh, so, it sounds us. like we're cleaning up <laughs> like and then oh then do we get to do X-Men I don't know <laughs> if I if I eat my vegetables do I get to do I get to have dessert no uh, I, I don't know we've we've got a little while before more X-Men I think uh, <laughs> we have a <laughs> bunch we have a bunch of Incredible Hulk <laughs> before <laughs> we get into anything else um, oh, no. so yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Bring scrolling <laughs> and I do not see any X-Men, uh, for a while. It, l oh, Micronauts. We get Micronauts <laughs> before we get X-Men. Oh no, hold me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so, yep. uh, but in the meantime, 
Uh, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, follow us both individually and at Watchers Guide MU. Uh, vi- visit our website at watchersguide.com. Like us on Facebook and uh, email us at watchersguide at gmail.com. Have a marvelous week. Bye.